0: And, and that's what we're talking about today. We're going to be talking about the value of excellence, the importance of having an excellent life, the importance of, of having an excellent, excellent way of living that that just makes a huge difference and impact on those around us but before we get there we've we've uh, talked about a handful of things one is remember the mission team there's a mission team that's actually leaving out today um, that's going to serve and we'll be praying over them uh, in the second service uh, there it's not the Ukrainian mission trip but it's a it's another mission and uh, this one let's see where's Jen's is he in here going to have him say a few things he's he's not in here this morning but uh we'll follow up i know that uh Second chance house is or another chance house is is we're teaming up with them to do a mission today. So uh, we want to pray over them. Another thing, uh just know this that as you watch the announcements, do listen to what's taking place. We will be, of course, kicking off our Wednesday nights this week. You want to be a part of that, you want to be a part of a life group. And so, in and putting those plugs in, now I guess I'm ready to start the sermon. So uh about three weeks ago, I started saying what's in our bucket. Like, there's 360 something churches here in Amarella that we know of. There's probably more than that. That's what's been officially counted. And and so what's interesting about that is why did, did Amarella need another another church? Why does it need another church? We need to know what's in our bucket. And what's in our bucket are simply our values, what we're called to bring to Amarillo, Texas, to the Texas panhandle, and throughout the world. And so there's a few things that we've already covered. We talked about the Word of God. Our first value is the Word of God. The second one is honor, the importance of, of honor in a culture today that is very dishonoring. We talked about last week uh, the importance of bearing fruit because Jesus himself said, this is how they will know you are my disciples, that you bear much fruit. It's a command from Jesus himself. And today we're going to talk about this value of excellence. Now, I didn't have a lot of excellence, I guess, going throughout this week. I thought I did, but sometimes we're so busy and, and, and we're, we're running Mach five, whatever that is. That's fast. And, and because of that, I'll tell you something I did Wednesday that I should not have done. Thursday morning, first thing at seven o'clock, I was supposed to go to the VA and have blood work done. And then at nine o'clock, I was seeing the doctor. And so, um, Thursday, I'll back up to Wednesday here in just a minute, but Thursday I decided, well, you know, um, uh, I better get there. Right. And so I get there on time. They draw my blood. I go into Dr. Millender's office and I'm sitting there waiting on a physical. And here in a moment, her nurse comes in, takes my blood pressure and, and does all the little preliminary things. And then Dr. Millender comes in and she's got like two or three other people who follow her in. And she immediately said, how do you feel? I said, Oh, as good as I look. (laughs) She said, you're not feeling very well because these numbers are completely off the chart. And when she told me that, I said, I said, oh, really, what what number are you talking about? She said, I'm talking about your cholesterol. Like, like your LDL is this high and, and the other one's this high. But she said, I want you to see how this reads. It says unreadable on the bad cholesterol. And she said, so we're gonna have to do something right now with you. And I said, well, now, okay, but I just want you to know I had blood work done a couple of weeks ago, and it it was within normal limits. She said, that doesn't make any sense. And I said, well, now let me back up just a moment. Um, Does chicken fried steak have anything to do with your cholesterol? (laughs) What you don't know happened this past Wednesday was, uh, of course, we had our uh, life group leader training, if you will, and and uh, 150 people here and tables everywhere, and Eloise did a phenomenal job, and we had chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes, cream gravy I mean, my favorite, favorite <laughs> of everything. And it's funny because she said, the doctor said this, did you have cobbler too? I said, oh, yeah, two bowls of it. <laughs> and I said, uh, now, after we had finished cleaning up, myself, Barry and Christy Joss a couple of others, we were in the kitchen there, some last minute things, and the chicken fried steaks were sitting out. And I haven't had one in a long time. Now I'd already eaten one that night. So I took one out and there's gravy sitting there and I just dipped it in that gravy. That's not an excellent way to live. <laughs> and according to my doctor, if I keep that up, I'm not gonna live much longer. Now, here's the thing, awareness is the first step to responsibility. So what I speak to you today, church, is gonna be very important that all of us hear this and all of us gain this and all of us get this because one thing you'll learn about excellence is that excellence is not a spiritual gift. Some of you think it was because you're very excellent in how you live and you just carry on that trait. You're very intuitive about life. You you take life on, if you will, by the horns. You're proactive, you're not reactive. You have a lot of excellent traits that are about you, but it is not a spiritual gift. Excellency is something that's learned. It's a learned behavior. And what I love about this is that Jesus said these words specifically. He said, be perfect as I am perfect. Now, perfection can become an evil taskmaster. So why does Jesus put it that way? Because Jesus cannot lower the bar lower than who he is. He is perfect. He is perfect. So he sets the bar high and he brings us to this place in our life where we begin to pay attention to the details. Any of you that were in the military know the first thing you learn is attention to detail. You start paying attention to what's behind doors, what's in the corners, what the carpet looks like, what the floors look like, what the privates need to do right? What what the wall lockers should, should look like, how you fold your socks, how you fold your draws or your underwear. All of that is attention to detail. Excellence follows that. Today I want to make you aware so that we can all become responsible with what the Lord has given us. If you would please stand for the reading of the word this morning. It comes to us from Colossians 3 verse 23. It's a short, short Scripture that Jesus reminds us, or that the apostle Paul reminds us, of the importance of excellency. Colossians 3:23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. It's working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. You may be seated. So we work with a spirit of excellency within us. Every message should come to you in many ways prepared, hearing from the Lord in a spirit of excellency, that we work on our call, and as we work within our call, as we are equipped in our call, it's going to make a difference in how we present our gift sets, when we present our gift sets in excellency. The Bible states that we are ambassadors of Christ, which means that we represent Christ in all we are and all we do. Excellence is doing the right thing even when no one is looking. That's the way it is. I, I worked for a farmer. Um, I worked for my dad up until I was 13. But after 13, for seven years, I worked for a farmer outside of Tulia. And I can remember that when we'd use his tools, we would go into his shop and he would make sure that I wiped his tools down and they had a specific spot where they either hung or they were placed in these drawers in order. You know, a three-quarter and a half-inch wrench, and everything had its place. Now, of course, if you knew him in his later years, things out in his barn changed. He said, Curtis, you need to come help me clean this place up. And it wasn't anything other than becoming older, but I started paying attention to what he said and how he did things. He made sure that I backed into every corner when I plowed. You didn't just sweep around, you swept around and then you backed up into that corner and you started again and, and you made sure that what you were doing, you did it in excellence. Excellence is something that we learn. Like I said, it's doing the right thing even when others aren't looking. You know, if you have an old car out there, some of us treat an old car like an old car. Well, it's just an old car, an old pickup. Do you ever clean that thing up? You know, it's it's valuing what God has placed in our care. Look, if you take it down, you should do what? Put it up. Come on, church. See, you're having to learn it. Okay, let me give you another one. If you spill it, wipe it up. Clean it up, right? If it's the last piece of paper on the toilet roll, somebody said use it. I know who said it too. (laughs) Let me give you a scripture. First Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, and I will show you a more excellent way. (laughs) Excellence is an outstanding feature or quality church. We would love our church to have some outstanding qualities that invoke God for his people and invoke our people for our God. When you look at, at examples in Scripture, there are examples of men and women who just stood out because they were, simply, they were, it's a big word for me, but they were very good at what they did. I mean, men and women, Mary took, God took notice of Mary because there was something about Mary that stood out. She was young, but she was excellent in her ways. You look at Daniel. I want us to focus for just a moment on Daniel because I'm gonna use him as a common theme throughout this morning's message. Daniel, he was taken from his own. He was taken from the Hebrew people. He was placed in the king's court, a foreign king, a a, a huge kingdom that this king possessed And you probably know the story of Daniel. This king's name was Nebuchadnezzar. He's the Persian king. He had to learn, and Daniel would have to learn a new language. He would have to learn new customs. Just as the king commanded him, he had to do. But Daniel was noticed even by the king's men. When they, uh, The king, Nebuchadnezzar, said, hey, I need you to go over into these people, and I want you to find the top three or four. Bring them to the king's court. So he does. And Daniel is one that stood out above the rest. Even among the other three that were chosen, Daniel 1.8 says that Daniel himself purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. That Daniel was not a man who looked to defile himself. He wasn't a man who was gonna look at the wrong thing. He wasn't a man who was gonna do the wrong thing. God was still the Lord of his life And Daniel refused, regardless of where he was and what captivity he was in, he refused to step away and worship another God. He would stay with his God, the God of the Hebrews. Daniel was a man who was highly esteemed, is what Daniel 10.19 says. Daniel was a man of prayer and thanksgiving. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Now you need to pay attention to that. That's Daniel 6.10. He is in captivity and the scripture says he knelt down three times a day in the midst of foreign gods, in the midst of a king who would one day try to make himself God. Daniel knelt down in captivity and his prayer was very specific. Did you 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 see it? A prayer of thanksgiving. I I, I struggle with our government today. He didn't even have his own government and he still prayed a prayer of thanksgiving. He stood out. He was different. Daniel chapter two, verse 14. Daniel was a man of wisdom and discretion. Daniel handed the situation, all situations with wisdom and discretion. In Daniel 6 verse 20, Daniel was able to risk everything, even his own life, because he trusted his God. And finally, Daniel's excellent spirit. You'll read about it here in Daniel chapter 5 verse 12. It says, because an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding was placed upon Daniel. He's just, he's excellent in all of his ways. And so he stood out above the rest. All of us have come equipped to hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. However, if we don't do things well, what will we hear from our God? Well done. Well, you did pretty good. You really messed up. What do we look to hear? See, excellence, listen to me, is not perfection. Even though Jesus says, be perfect as I am perfect, he's calling us to a way of excellence. Excellence. Picasso stated this, all art, sculpturing, writing, painting, drawing, it energizes us when we do things well, we are energized. When we do things in excellence, we are energized. Have you ever done something where you didn't think anyone would notice and all of a sudden they noticed it and you're like, yeah, I did. That was me. It stood out, didn't it? It's important. It's important. You see, I'll, I'll, let me say something about perfectionism very quickly. It's, it's as I said before, an evil taskmaster. It's a Jezebel spirit that attempts to get everyone frustrated because simply you can't live up to it. One of the tests that we've taken in connection here, it's we've taken two different types of personality tests among our staff. Uh, one of those, um, it labels you as whatever letter type of personality kind of fits you. And a C-type personality is someone who strives for perfection. If that's you, here's the danger. They're prone to legalism. They are prone to depression. In all honesty, they usually don't play well with others because you don't measure up. Now, that's perfectionism. Now, excellency is, is really, this is, this is where that word, it's, it's interesting because the word glorification, when we bring glory to our God or we walk in His glory or the, the term glory or glorification in its roots, it contains, watch this, the spirit of excellence. You'll find excellency is used to help explain glory. In Matthew chapter 5, 14, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives, gives light to all who are in the house. And then verse 16, let your light shine before men that in such a way they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. Notice your excellency affects his glory. You want people to know that you glorify your heavenly father, then learn to do things in excellence. Because right here, Jesus says, you want to bring glory to my father, then you should let your light shine before men and it will happen. Years ago, I I like to share this story. Brett was changing the women's soap in the women's bathroom. And if you know anything about Pastor Brett, Pastor Brett does everything in excellence. Almost a perfectionist, but he loves excellence in his life. And one of the things he was doing, he was throwing away like the old bars of soap. And I was like, man, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Shoot, I might take some of that home with me. I hate to waste it. He's like, Curtis, he's like two bucks. I mean, we want to put some good stuff in here. And so he had the soft soap, and I don't know what you ladies have in your bathroom today. I haven't been in there since last week. I'm just kidding. That's not even funny. But the truth is, the truth is, is that he wanted you to know that you were loved through excellence. Through, through, we, we, we really want to do things in excellence here. Just a couple days ago, Bobby and I are meeting with... Uh, um, the, help me, Bobby, the superintendent and the engineer came in from Austin, and and he and I are up here with them, and we're we we uh, we're downstairs going over the building and all the stuff that's happening with the building. We come back up, and we start walking through here, and they said, you know what? Y'all have done this facility in excellence. I'll give you another one. Tommy Politz calls me Friday. If you don't know who he is, he's the pastor over at Hillside. And he said, hey, Curtis, man, you know, tell me about your building, what you're doing, everything. He said, this is what I know about y'all. Y'all will do that in excellence. It's, it's an incredible thing because people begin to notice what you do when you have an excellent spirit within you and upon you. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are all God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, there's this trap today of mediocrity. Uh, and and be careful with that, because the culture is trying to call us to this place. We're all equal. We're all the same. Uh, life is is never equal. It's it's never balanced for all of us. All of us have different seasons in our life. As a matter of fact, there can be seasons within a week. We can be very busy one week, and the next week be able to caught up. Be be caught up. But the world wants to say, "Hey, don't worry about tomorrow. Live just for today." Don't worry about doing things in excellence. You have a video game to play. Don't worry about that yard. Don't worry about this stuff that we can put off. But here's what you need to know. Mediocrity is never found with those who shine in Scripture. One of the most difficult things for believers is not to fall into this trap. It all pays the same. Live and let live. I work for the government. All those statements are the same. I'm just kidding. Some of you work for the government today. I bless you. There are all kinds of excuses, look, to check out. But the Lord wants us to check in and stay checked in. He wants you to let your light shine wherever you are, whatever you do, wherever you're going. You are one of God's children and you have an inheritance. So take care of the inheritance. There are areas of our life where we can apply excellence in so many things. There is no doubt where we can ask God to give us an excellent spirit in these things, in these times, in these situations of our life. And the first one is this, excellence in your behavior. Excellence in your behavior. We live in a day and time where it's no longer the squeaky wheel gets the grease. It's the crying, it's the complaining, it's the whining, it's the yelling, it's the screaming. That's who we listen to. And that's a shame because that's what our culture, that's what our news media, that's how they're saying, if you want to be heard, do it this way. But that's not really being excellent in all your ways, especially excellent in your behavior. The first thing that caught the king's eye was Daniel's appearance, if you notice. He had an appearance about him. He had a glow about him. How he carried himself among his peers. He stood out, his vocabulary, his natural ability to lead. His ex, he is excellent in all that he could be as a young man. He looked different. He stood out from everyone else. He wasn't screaming or throwing a fit. He was saying, Lord, use me in the situation and in the circumstance, rise me above. Help me to show them a more excellent way. First Peter chapter two, verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans. Do you know what a pagan is? It's a non-believer. And Peter, Peter's pretty cut and dry. He and James like to throw the rock and see who it hits. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify God on the day he visits us. That they'll even recognize, that they'll even see. See, I knew that that back early on in my own life, there were people who stood out who did things above and better or went the extra mile more than others. Jesus, if, if you remember, Jesus says, if someone asks you to go one mile, do what? Go with them two, because the Roman soldiers could command that. Oh, if someone asks you to carry their tunic, carry their shirt as well. I mean, he's telling us, look, you be the one who is excellent among the pagans. What about those who never join the gossip, who never joined the malice? They're not reactive, but they're proactive. What about those who are for us, even though they didn't join us, so to speak? Like these other pastors who talk to me about the excellence that we have here. They're for us. They're not against us. They see something about us. There's something here that's glowing. There's a miracle that's happened on South Bonham Street. And I believe a lot of it just simply comes from doing things in excellence. So, Oftentimes we get skewed in our thinking that God is only for us. Be careful with that. We need to relate to the unbelievers in a way that is excellent. Be excellent in our behavior. And always remember gossiping about those who are non believers doesn't help. God died for them as well. They should see something in us that they desire. Most of us, if not all of us, came to the Lord through someone else. Through something they told you, through something you saw in them, you probably believed what they had to say, and their their excellent way of carrying themselves, their excellent way of living their lives attracted you to God's kingdom. Have you ever thought sometimes unbelievers can't see God because of us? If you're not excellent in your behavior, and you look just like everyone else, and you talk just like everyone else, I know the kosher thing sometimes for the American uh, 21st century pastor today is simply, hey, let's go, get a, let's go get a beer and talk about this scripture. Where do you come up with that? I was at a wedding not too long ago where two pastors were at the wedding with beer, carrying beer in their hands. And I'm not after somebody who drinks a beer. I'm simply saying, if you're a stumbling block, be careful. You're not excellent in your behavior. It's it's important that you pay attention to who's watching. Not because we're condemned, but because of what might follow. You know, we should look at those nonbelievers possibly as pre-Christian, and we would behave differently. You know, sometimes I feel like then too, if I'm not careful, I'll I'll get too close and they might stain my holy garment. My wife got me this shirt about a month ago. It's called Untucked. You guys ought to send me a new one. I just gave you a plug. I've had three compliments on it this morning. But isn't that true? We're afraid that they're going to stain our holy garments. There's this time of visitation that Peter talks about. How many of us got a visitation? Paul tells the church of Corinth, today is the day of salvation. It could be the day of salvation for someone. And we've got to pay attention whether or not our lives are bringing glory to our Father through our excellence in our behavior. There's a man who, Alice and I had a stillbirth some years ago and we named that little boy Weston Bruce. And that middle name Bruce is from a man who I would go to the hospital with my mother, and I started uh, ministering to this man by the name of Bruce who had terminal cancer. And matter of fact, I even saw him in the mall one day, and he stopped me in the mall, and he said, I just want to tell you, you've got a glow about you. Now, I don't want to bring glory to me. This should bring glory to my heavenly father. But Bruce wound up coming to the church and it was interesting what he said. I wrote down some words. He wound up being a great friend, uh, family friend. He was so concerned about the pressure I was under there. Oftentimes I would go to my office and he would have fish and he would have rice, which I don't eat rice, he would, he would have my plate sitting on my desk and he, and he would tell me this. Not only do you need to eat that, but you need to pay attention to the diet that I put, put next to it because you need to take care of yourself, Curtis. And you don't do that. And I need Bruce in my life today. But anyway, uh, Bruce, he... He's, uh, like I said, deceased today, but I remember him telling me that he used to go to church and the pastor was so boring that he counted the tiles in the ceiling and he could tell me the last three churches how many tiles were in the ceiling that he had visited. We would baptize Bruce uh, a few months later and Bruce just became a great friend of mine, but Bruce was a man who really did know the value of excellency in his own life. I think of the laxes. I've never been to their house where it hasn't just been immaculate. I've never been in one of their vehicles, and I'm not picking on you. I'm saying thank you. I've never been in the laxes vehicle where I'm like, whoa, this thing, would you come help me? And they know how to glorify their father, and they do it in worship in all that they do. Excellency in our morality There's no doubt that Daniel stood out in his morals. He also stood up for his morals. He stood up for what's right. The king wanted him to drink his wine and eat his food, but instead he refused. It simply wasn't, you need to hear this, it wasn't kosher. It wasn't. And so Daniel said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to defile my Lord. There's another time that Daniel's commanded to bow down when the music plays. And Daniel says, I'm not going to do it. You're going to find me three times a day, opening my windows and opening my door so that others will see my commitment to my Lord and I will pray and give thanksgiving. It gets him in trouble. It gets him thrown in a den, if you remember, of lions. You see, he had a morality about him. He had conviction about him. We we today need to hear this word because we need to be convicted. we convicted about how we act around others. 1 Peter 2, 5 through 7 says, As you come to him, the living stone, speaking of Jesus, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Well, if we're being built into a spiritual house, we ought to portray what this house is about, which is moral excellence. See, God gives us through his spirit a knowledge, what is right or wrong. The church has struggled with moral excellency, with morality in the church. We have a church right now that, that, that was really instrumental in my life, but is splitting today simply over cultural morals instead of godly morals. Well, this is what the cu- culture says. I think I want to live and do what the culture says and and how the culture says I should act and react. I mean, some are supporting, some churches today, many churches are supporting abortion, gay clergy and marriage, social justice as defined by our universities instead of what's defined throughout our scripture. It no longer understands what is right or wrong. This is not living according to moral excellence church. We set the standard. I don't know why we felt the pressure of the world instead of the world filling the pressure of us. We're in every nation, every tongue, every tribe. We don't have to back up. We need to stand for what's right. We need to stand on the gospel, stand on the word. It's amazing to me that Turkey's been placed on a list of genocidal leaders when I wonder about the United States and all the abortions that have taken place Throughout the years. We think we need to be stronger militarily and not more, more, not through our morals. There's no doubt the morality, as defined in scripture, it always brings a blessing. And most importantly, it brings glory to our God in the heavens. We need to be excellent in our thoughts. Daniel 6:10, Daniel always prayed to God three times every day. Three times every day, he bowed down on his knees to pray and praise God. And even though Daniel heard about the new law, he still went into his house to pray. He went up to the upper room of his house and he opened the windows that faced toward Jerusalem. Then Daniel bowed down on his knees and prayed just as he had always done. Philippians 4 reminds us, think on these things is what the Apostle Paul says. He goes on, dwell on these things. We live in a culture that is about negativity, critical thinking, problem solving, figuring out everything that is wrong. Every morning there's a drive to try to form us to look at the negative. The devil attempts to get us down. You want to mess up your family or small group? Just get negative. I've done it plenty of times. Talk to me if you want someone who's excellent in that. I don't like it. I just know I get more grumpy as I get older. I still like to go back and meditate on the day that my life was changed. One day I was bound, but now I'm free. The thing Paul constantly had before him, he finally sees. The first meeting in the church here 10 years ago, we had seven people or 11 years ago. The Bible says the gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news that we win. Look, church. It's important that we become excellent in our thoughts. I remember a a friend of mine called me one day and we were over at the other building. And and the way it worked over there, uh, we had to actually dig a hole in in the women's bathroom and put another commode in it. And the reason why is because the city wouldn't let us open up over there. And we were on I-27 at the time. And, and so uh, we got another commode put in there and we finally got the day that we were going to open up and we were excited about it. And we opened up and about three months later, things were really rolling good. And the way my job worked is every Monday morning, I'd go in and I would clean. It was only 3,000 square feet. and I would vacuum and I'd wipe everything down and then I would move the chairs out and I would set a table in my chair and that was my office in the sanctuary which was it's it would hold 60 people some of you remember but I remember one particular Monday morning I went into the men's bathroom and I knew that the line had backed up the 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 Sunday before the Sunday prior and it was backed up and and uh Uh, I didn't pay any attention uh, to it on that day, but this Monday I was cleaning the bathroom. I go in there and some little boy had peed in the corner. And just, I'm talking about boy had a bladder. (laughs) And that time, Bill, you called me that day. You don't even remember. He called me that day. He said, hey man, what's it like serving the Lord? And I wasn't happy. (laughs) And I said, I'm going to find this man and his, or this boy and his father. I know who it was that came out of here. Look, it makes a difference because when we don't clean up after ourselves, here's the truth, irresponsibility is never neutral. Someone else has to take care of it. And so when we live our lives in an excellent way, it makes a difference. And then finally be excellent in your relationships. Daniel and his three friends would literally, literally refuse to eat. They would all find themselves in a fire. They, wouldn't, they, they refused to walk away from their God. And it's amazing where they wound up. They were not only close in their relationship, but through their relationships, you understand the king was always the king, but he had uh, three to four presidents at all times during that time. You can go read about Persia and all this stuff, but Daniel was one of the kings. And as a matter of fact, eventually they would become jealous of Daniel, even his closest friends, because he was so excellent. And he kept getting promoted. They were very concerned about him, but he was one of the presidents, if you will. It's neat to, to read about excellent people in scripture and the relationships that they had. You'll find a David and a Jonathan. You'll find that Jesus, he, he had those that he was close with. He had Peter. He had James. He had John. He would take them onto the Mount of Transfiguration with him. Look, I want to encourage you this week, we, we went through our life groups and life groups are kicking off. Eloise did a phenomenal job this week on expressing the importance of life group. Let me give you a couple of things there so that, you, that will help you being in relationship with one another and being excellent. One is this, relationships forge our character. You don't know you outside of a relationship with someone else. You don't. And let me give you another one. The opposite of life group is death alone. And, and too many people, the antonym, if you will, is death alone. God calls us to be excellent in relationships, and we are called to be in relationship one with another. It is a value of harvest what? Connection. That, that, that name was chosen for us because it's who we are, and so we are called to be excellent in our relationships, and some of you are the I don't know, some of you are the average Joes, some of you are the pros. And you've heard me give that, that talk before, but it's so important that we listen. You don't know you apart from others, apart from God and apart from one another. So learn what it means to have the value of excellence in your relationships. I had to move quickly this morning. I thank you all for being with us. Let's make sure that we carry excellent lives out into this world in order to bring glory to our Father. Would you please stand? I'm gonna ask those who are on the altar team this morning to make their way forward. And if you would like to receive prayer for this value, like I said, excellence is something that's not a spiritual gift. It's something that's learned. It's something that's seen. It's a behavior that's recognizable. Let us pray for you in that area, maybe excellence in marriage, excellence in the home, excellence in our relationship with our heavenly father. Look, our lives are either going to tell the story of Jesus or not. But one of the ways that it always will is through living our lives in the spirit of excellency. Father God, thank you for these, your people. Raise us up and grow us up to be the church that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.